The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and today we are going to be recapping free agency as most of the moves are pretty much done. There's still some bigger names like Jadeveon Clowney still on the market but no current news regarding where they'll be signing or if the Giants will be making any other additional news. We have one more move to recap from free agency, and then we're going to be breaking it down for you, giving our insight on what we thought were some of the best signings and also some of the more underrated ones as well, and then capping things off with an overall grade of free agency. So to begin today's show on Monday, News came out that wide receiver Corey Coleman, who has been a member of the team for two years now, previously signed in the middle of the season two years ago after being cut by the Buffalo Bills and previously moved from the Cleveland Browns, his original team. Coleman uh, uh, recently, this past offseason, tore his ACL during summer workouts, so he missed the entire season. However, the 26-year-old receiver is coming back to New York and, again, I would say is, is a relatively underrated return E for the Giants, considering we didn't get to see an impact from him last year, but we did see a significant one from him in the kick return game when he was a New York Giant for that half of a season. Yeah, I would say the Giants have a, a pretty intriguing decision to make with their kick return, or at least some intriguing options. You know, we saw Corey Ballantyne emerge as a surprisingly good kickoff returner last year. And then the year before that, or at least that half year before that, Coleman was actually something of a bright spot for the Giants as a kickoff returner. You know, he's never really lived up to his first-round pedigree as a receiver, but he does have that acceleration. He does have that ability to catch and just go. And that is a really good thing to have in a kick returner. He did bring a lot of juice to the special teams, especially as a kick returner and being able to pick up some huge returns when he was healthy and playing for the Giants. In terms of where he fits, though, now that he's going to be available to play, hopefully this season, not entirely sure how it's going to impact his ability to be explosive recovering from that torn ACL. But he's likely right now the fourth receiver 
best guess in in the depth chart behind Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate in no particular order. So if they do choose to use him uh, in various rotations and get him out there and, and pick up some splash plays, if he still has that burst, he could be a, a really good additional rotational option for an offense that sometimes lacked a little bit of juice in, in various games. Yeah, and if Jason Garrett does follow his the the tendencies he showed as the offensive coordinator and then the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, having a vertical threat, actually having two vertical threats, is really huge for his offense or just the type of offense he runs, which is basically his take on the aerial offense. And you'd need those guys who can stretch the field, stretch a defense vertically down the sidelines to to really make that offense run correctly. The Giants do have Darius Slayton, but they don't really have another guy capable of doing that. Hopefully, Corey Coleman could be that guy, or at least give them an, another option for that guy if they happen to find a player like that in the draft. Yeah, if he does have that burst still, he can fit that secondary role as a burner, as a deep threat. Hopefully, he does still have that explosiveness, like we said, recovering from that ACL injury. So, Chris, getting right into our recap of free agency, what was your favorite signing by the Giants? Out of all the guys that the Giants signed and picked up, who was the guy that you thought, man, this was a really, really good move? Maybe I wasn't expecting it, but this was a great move by the Giants and it filled a need. You know, I'm, I'm going to just pick the obvious one and say James Bradbury, the cornerback formerly of the Carolina Panthers. He's not the kind of elite athlete we see a lot of the number one corners in the league be, but he does have really good size. He has the physicality to jam and press receivers at the line of scrimmage, and he is good enough at it that he can play press corner and hopefully stabilize the Giants' secondary. You know, they're are some there are obviously some issues with him he's not an elite player he's not a he he wasn't the guy you go out and make a massive splash for but he is a good player and he is a guy who can hope like i said before hopefully hopefully stabilize the giants secondary hopefully take some of the pressure off of deandre baker sam beal Corey Ballantino, whoever else happens to be lining up in the secondary and have a guy who can play that press man coverage, and hopefully give the Giants pass rush more of a chance to get to the quarterback. Because, you know, the, the Giants, you know, they didn't really break the bank on a pass rusher like we thought they would. But hopefully by upgrading their secondary, that will help out the pass rush because, you know, last year we saw the Giants were really in a position where if they wanted to pressure the passer, they had to blitz. But they were also in a position where if they blitzed, their basically all-rookie secondary just couldn't hold up. We saw them just hemorrhage yards on big plays, and quarterbacks actually playing better against the blitz than they did against a four-man rush. So hopefully having having a guy back there who can, if not lock down opposing receivers, at least force quarterbacks to go off their first read, maybe go to their second and Hopefully, you know, DeAndre Baker, Corey Ballantyne, Sam Beal, hopefully they can match up better against the 
second, third, and fourth options than they could against the first, second, and third options. Yeah, if you look at the overall fit, I think he he fits really, really well with this unit. He's a bigger corner. Uh, if you look at Corey Ballantyne and DeAndre Baker, they're under six foot. You're getting James Bradbury, who's six one around 212 so you get a bigger corner you get a guy that's a veteran that's been around for a few years in the league not really an older guy he's on the younger side going to have him for three years before he even turns 30 so you should get some really good years out of Bradbury to contribute and I think the one thing that is a bit underrated about him is statistically he's not really going to jump off the page if, if you look at his pro football focus rating which you know take that if you will as uh, being extremely accurate or not he was rated as uh, as given a 61.0 pff grade so that's a, about average for a, a, pl- a defensive player around for 61 but if you consider the guys that he goes against two times a year in the NFC South he's going against Julio he's going against Mike Evans he's going against Michael Thomas having to face off against those guys even if it's not for the entire game is going to probably drag things down a little bit but his performances against them are pretty good they're not elite they're not completely dominant and shutting them down but still he does look pretty good against top receivers in the league arguably some of the top top 10 receivers in the NFL so that signing of Bradbury super underrated because of the need that it fills bringing in a a veteran presence for a secondary that was vastly struggling it should really shake things up in that cornerback room and allow less pressure on the younger guys to perform because you can use Bradbury as that number one corner and then have other guys settle into secondary roles. DeAndre Baker can be that number two corner. Uh, Ballantyne or Beal can be playing the slaughter as a nickel corner. Whatever you need them to do, they don't need to be out on an island. Not every single one of them has to do that. My favorite signing though, Chris, I completely like the Bradbury signing, but I have to go with linebacker Blake Martinez from the Green Bay Packers. Um, The reason why I picked him is because it was clear that they were going to be making moves to go and find a new linebacker after they parted ways with Alec Ogletree. Now, if they were going to choose to go in the draft, it might not have been as good of a selection because you wouldn't be able to get anyone to fill that Mike linebacker role until the second round. You don't know who's still going to be available. A lot of those Big name guys like Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen could have been gone by then. Maybe you use Isaiah Simmons as that Mike linebacker, but they go out and get a guy that can step right in, play right away, and contribute. Now, he's a bit inconsistent at times, and we talked about this. He has missed tackles here and there. He's not the most consistent linebacker, but you look at what he does well, and you look at what he can do and bring to a defense, he is going to elevate the level of play in the middle and is a significant step up from what we were getting from an aging Alec Ogletree. I firmly believe that Martinez is going to be able to step in and make a serious impact being that guy, being a defensive leader for an overall very young defense. Yeah, and I think that is the upside with him, the leadership, the communication, the Big problem with Ogletree, maybe not his ability to communicate, but yeah, he just didn't process things very quickly as the defensive quarterback, for lack of a better word. Yeah, he was always kind of a step slow between seeing and reacting and acting. Yeah, having a guy like Martinez, who is a smart, instinctive linebacker, 
that should help the play speed of the Giants defense, especially in the middle, communicating with the other linebackers, communicating back with whoever the free safety is going to be. And hopefully that will really improve the the communication and just how fundamentally sound and disciplined the whole defense can be. I also don't think signing Martinez really precludes the Giants from drafting a linebacker. I think they absolutely could still go after Isaiah Simmons at fourth overall, or possibly if Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen slips to the slips to them in the second round, maybe Troy die down at the bottom of the third round or possibly Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar, one of those hyper-athletic guys. I don't think signing Blake Martinez really limits their options. Like, oh, we we went out and we got this linebacker. We're done. We don't have to add anymore. Yeah, he does still have holes in this game, like you, like you said. And getting another athletic guy back there, that could really help shore up the middle of the Giants' defense, help really help solve the problems they have been having for the last, I don't know, 20 years as far as covering running backs and tight ends in the middle of the field go. And that would help the entire defense. And having a a communicator like Martinez and then a real athletic guy next to him, that, that could be a very, very solid combination. Yeah, as I was kind of discussing that scenario, I was thinking to myself, and you you already alluded to it, that it does still leave things very much open. And I think that right now what their goal is going to be going forward is that they have that Mike linebacker, they have somebody in the middle, and they're probably going to be seeking out an option for a hyper-athletic will linebacker that can wreak havoc and cause problems while Martinez is that that center and focal point of, of the defense. And it, it really does put them in a really good situation because you have that veteran guy and you can use the draft position of the Giants to your advantage. You, you are in a position to potentially get Isaiah Simmons and use him as that will linebacker and move him around as a defensive weapon. And you also could, like you said, let one of those guys that slips and falls to you early on in the second round and draft them and use one of those hyper-athletic guys like Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen. Hopefully one of them does slide and it, and it keeps the options open for the Giants because there are some pretty interesting options like we talked about after the combine as far as young athletic linebackers. There were a ton of dudes that ran 4-5, which is very, very unique and not very common for a linebacker group to be doing that. If you have one guy who runs a 4-5 or, or like two guys that run a 4-5, that's pretty good. That's the, the that's a really good group. The fact that there were a handful of guys that were doing that, that just shows how athletic this linebacker class is and, and frankly, how underrated it is. And we're going to be discussing a bit of how the Giants roster shapes out and looks right now on our Thursday show. We're going to talk about needs and how things fit after the free agency period has pretty much been wrapped up. We're going to now transition to talking about the most underrated signings for the Giants. But before we get to that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. With any free agency period, there's going to be guys that are big names and that are huge signings for your team. For the Giants this year, though, also, there are names that are a bit underrated that you might not really know that well that you might think is, well, who is this guy? Why did the Giants sign them? And I even said this about my guy, but Chris, I want you to uh, start us off here with your most underrated signing and why you like them so much. You know, I'm actually going to 
go with maybe not a signing so much as a re-signing and say Cody core. Yeah, he's a technically listed as a wide receiver, but he is a special teams ace. He's going to be playing on pretty much all of the giants coverage units. Yeah. You know, he has good size for a wide receiver, but he's got good speed. He gets down the field and we saw, you know, quite a few times really that he has just a knack just a really great skill for downing especially punts inside the 10 yard line five yard line right at the goal line tracks the ball gets to where it's going to be and then does a really good job of putting the defense in a good position to make the opposing offense drive as far as possible and it's those hidden yards that i think a lot of people overlook and how much they can impact both the offense and the defense. It's a little bit more obvious how having a really great return can help the offense. If you're starting from the 40-yard line, you have a major advantage. But if your defense has to force the opposing offense to drive 95 yards, 99 yards, that gives them a bunch of opportunities to make a big play, make a turnover, or potentially stop the play in the backfield back in the end zone, come up with a safety. It puts a ton of stress on the opposing offense, puts your defense in a good position. And those are the kinds of plays that a game can pivot on. And unfortunately, a lot of those plays are also treated as a bathroom break by, (laughs) by networks and I would say too many fans. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people truly understand the impact you can have from a core special teams player. And Cody Kaur and Nate Ebner, having both of those guys being contributors on special teams is so huge. Having guys that show consistency and high level of play on a level of the game that to some extent is not really paid attention to is so, so important for having consistent play in winning football games. You can win out on offense and defense and have gaffes on special teams and lose a game because of it. So you need guys like Cody core who are leaders and veterans on special teams that can make that impact. My underrated signing, and I fully admittedly, and and Chris can attest to this, as soon as the signing happened, we, we had wrapped up a show and I had said, who the heck is Kyler Fackrell because we had to kind of figure out who he was and, and include him into, the, into that week's show. And after kind of getting to look, look into him a little bit deeper, see his stat lines, see a little bit of tape on him. I still want to watch some more and get to know him a little bit better from his really standout season two years ago. The reason why I'm, I'm intrigued by him and I think that he's underrated is because I'm at least interested to see what could happen with him. He could either be nothing and not really amount to much and only get us that one sack that he had in 2019. He could end up being a a rotational guy that just comes in and plays decently well on defense, but isn't a liability. But if you can tap into what Kyler Fackrell did at his peak early on in his career, he's still very young. He's only going into his fifth year, if, if I'm correct. He was able to get 10 and a half sacks in his third year in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. And then he got shoved down the depth chart when they signed Zadarius and Preston Smith in Green Bay, and nobody really heard from him. If you can tap into that as a rotational pass rusher, not an every every down edge defender, but as a rotational pass rusher, 
I'm not even saying 10 sacks. If you can get eight sacks from a rotational guy, that is huge. That is incredibly impactful for creating a strong pass rushing unit with other guys like Oshane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter. If you can have a collective strong unit, that can pay dividends to increasing the level of play on your defense. So I think if we can get that peak from Fackrell, it, he will easily be the most underrated signing. Yeah, and what I like about the Fackrell signing is that it is a really low risk addition. You know, it's only making, I believe, a maximum of four and a half million dollars. So even if he does only get two or three sacks this year, that isn't a whole lot of money spent. It's not a significant portion of their salary cap. It it, it isn't a contract that is going to linger or anything like that. But if you can put him in position to succeed, if you can get that upside out of him, like you said, even if he gets even five or eight sacks, that's the kind of secondary rush that defense needs. They need to be able to send waves of pass rushers. You can't just have one guy generating the pressure. It's too easy for offenses to adapt to that. Overall, though, this free agent signing group was very interesting and unique. A lot of contracts that were intentionally done to be short-term and beneficial to the team, by also, but also bringing in guys that can make an impact and start right away. To wrap up today's show, we're going to provide grades and our thoughts on free agency. Chris, why don't you get us started here? What would you give the New York Giants for a grade for their free agency signing performance? Yeah, this is going to sound harsher than I mean it, but I'm going to give them a C just in terms of letter grades. They didn't really sign for me any needle movers, any guys who are really going to inject the kind of playmaking talent and ability that the team has just lost and really almost hemorrhaged over the last couple of years. They got several good players, guys who can step in and be contributors. And I really like the the shift in contract philosophy we've seen now. I think we might have to wait until next year to find out whether or not it was just influenced by the fact that they were doing these contracts in the wake of a brand new CBA and nobody really knows what the landscape is going to look like, especially with the possibility of a 17th game coming. But I like the idea that the Giants aren't they aren't weighing themselves down with a bunch of potential dead money. They're really good contracts that that I think pay the pay, pay the players fairly, but also aren't too aren't too much of a burden for the team itself and their future cap situation. I think I would have liked to see them maybe spread their net a little bit wider. Look at Joe Schobert or Corey Littleton. Maybe hear that they've made a serious play for Byron Jones or were players for Dante Fowler. I, I would have liked to have seen some of the bigger names at least seriously considered or at least publicly considered. And if the Giants could have gotten one of those guys in, I think that would have been great just to have a kind of cornerstone playmaker for a team that doesn't have too many right now. But I also, like I said, I can't be too harsh on this free agency period because it was done in a very smart way. And even if these guys don't really work out, the team isn't handicapping itself for the future. It's funny that you basically have all of the same reasoning as I do. I just happen to be a little bit more generous in deciding to give the Giants a, a B here. 
I agree with all your thoughts that they were very smart. And the reason why I'm being a little bit more generous is that that they weren't putting themselves into bad positions by giving guys long-term deals and spending too much money and locking themselves down into contracts that are going to hamstring them in a few seasons when they have to pay guys like Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones and even more players that we can't even fathom right now how many guys that they're going to have to pay and re-sign and keep here in New York if they do choose to. There's tons of contracts that are going to be coming up. So these short-term deals are going to be very, very beneficial for the Giants because they won't have to keep anyone over 30 that's not really doing as well as they were early on in the beginning years of their contract. But I do agree in the sense that I didn't want to give them anything further than a B, and this is really more of a lower-end B. Let's say an 83, uh, just barely snuck in there with a B, um, because they didn't make any of those splash players like we talked about. We were pushing for guys like Byron Jones and for Jadeveon Clowney, and those signings didn't end up happening, but this team still did get better. I will say, though, and we'll probably cover this a bit more in the Thursday show we alluded to earlier, is that I think that the Giants' biggest swing and miss, though, with this free agency that might be, honestly, now that I think about it, enough to even push them below a B, is the fact that they didn't do anything to sign any top available offensive linemen. They did go and get Cameron Fleming, but Cameron Fleming is not going to be your starting right tackle. At least I assume that's not their intention of bringing him in. It seems like that signing was done to add a little bit of depth and some competition to the offensive line group. Right now, they don't have a right tackle. Cameron Fumling looks like he is that right tackle because Mike Remmers left and went to the Kansas City Chiefs. We were fully expecting them to spend that money and go out and get at least somebody that was available in the market at center or tackle to help fix the situation with the offensive line. It is something that has negatively impacted the Giants' offense for multiple years now. And if they want the development of Daniel Jones to continue to progress forward, they're going to need to protect him. We saw what happens when he doesn't get at least average protection. He will be flustered and he will turn the ball over. But when he's properly protected and he plays well, he can be lights out and he can throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Now it puts the Giants in a tough situation to bank on drafting one of the top offensive linemen early or early in the second round, because if they don't do so, the offensive line arguably got worse. Yeah. So why don't we compromise and say a C plus? (laughs) All right. Fair. See a high C plus is a 79 and a half is a, is a, is a fair, um, is a, is a fair compromise. Um, (laughs) Minus points for not addressing the offensive line or getting that impact pass rusher but they got bonus points for a contract structure. Exactly. Being smart and being uh, financially responsible. That's going to be it for us on today's show. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us and also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. And you can follow me at Joe DeLeon and you can follow Chris at Raptor MKII. Stick around on Thursday. We will be giving you a roster evaluation post-free agency to let you know what the Giants need going forward with the NFL draft coming up in less than a month.